What's up, LinkedIn? This is Recruiting is No Joke. I am your host, Joe Lalji. I am super excited to be with you guys. It's like episode 46, which means we're getting close to episode 50. I've outlasted like 99% out of, of podcasts, right? I don't know if you guys know this, but most podcasts, they don't make it past like episode three because everybody gets hyped up. They spend a bunch of money and then they don't get the ROI. Won't go into it. But I'm super excited today. We've got a great guest. I want to give a shout out to MetaView. If you guys have been following me, you will see my videos about MetaView. MetaView does AI transcriptions. So whether you're interviewing a candidate, whether you're doing a hiring manager debrief, if you're just chatting with somebody and you want to have the whole uh, conversation summarized and you want to have it written up and you want to be actually engaged in the conversation, you got to go with MetaView. Okay. So you can sign up. I'm going to put the, uh, the link to sign up in the comments, go sign up, test it out for free. I've had really, really great feedback. Everybody who has tried it so far has DM me and been like, thank you for the hookup. I'm a better recruiter now. So thank you to MetaView for sponsoring the show. Um, I'm also always curious about who's out there. So if you're out there, let me know. I see Adam is out there. Hey, Adam, good to see you. Who else is out there? Let me know. Always love to know who's actually out in the crowd. And if you can, just tell me where you're coming from, what company you're with, if you're agency, internal, just say something. But I am, again, super excited for our guest today. So I am going to bring him out. So without further ado... Is that what they say without further ado? Yeah, sir. Welcome to the show, mate. It's good to have you here. Why don't you give us a quick introduction of who you are, uh, what yeah. company you work for, and let's get into the conversation today. Hey, Joe. So thanks. Firstly, thank you so much for having me on the show. This is like, I was this really excited for this one. I've been on a few podcasts, but this one, because I watched uh, your show quite regularly, uh, when we connected, I was like, oh, Amazing, I can actually get a chance to be on it. Um, I love that. So my name is Yasser Ahmed. I'm the Global Vice President of Talent Acquisition, Rewards and Mobility at HelloFresh. I've uh, been with the company for roughly around about two, just over two and a half years. Um, and I manage it obviously globally, so very excited uh, to be on the show. I love it. And where, where are you based right now? Oh yeah, uh, I'm based in London. Uh, so. Although obviously HelloFresh is global um, and without HQ in Germany. So I kind of travel quite a bit. I know. You know what? The other day I had a delivery or I saw a delivery driver from HelloFresh uh, in my neighborhood. So I'm in you know Midwest USA. Shout out to Wisconsin. And I was this close to going over to the delivery person and taking a selfie with them and then tagging you in it. But that just goes <laughs> to show it's just crazy how global um, yeah. yeah, these companies. The real are. question is: Are you a customer? And if not, I need to send you a box. Send me a box, please. I, I yeah. I'm not a customer yet, but that you know, don't let my don't don't let me influence anybody. On there, right? <laughs> that's that's uh, I've got plenty plenty of customers in my neighborhood. So, um, so how did uh, I? I always love to kind of start off the show with just hearing about how you got started off in recruitment. Obviously, nobody yeah. really chooses to be in recruitment. Uh, but maybe you are one of like, you know, 1% of people who did. So tell us how you got started in uh, in the recruitment space. Um, I know I wasn't one of those people, honestly. 
I've only had one in like the ten years that I've been. Yeah, uh, no, shows. I'll be honest. I actually hated recruitment with a passion when I first started working in recruitment. So I worked for a, a large agency, and I lasted about three months. Uh, and then I quit because I hated business development so much. And I thought, screw this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to become a project manager instead. So I was like, in the early days, one of the first in the UK to take on the certified Scrum certification to become a Scrum master. So I'd <clears throat> done the certified Scrum master certification. Uh, thought I was gonna be a project manager. Joined a company. Um, a web consultancy to do uh, project management. And then, you know, they, they kind of like, oh, hold on. You know, we've got a bit of a recruitment challenge. You've worked in recruitment before. <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah, brand new in the role, bear in mind. So I was kind of like, not going to say no, but um, they said, well, could you just merge the two together? Maybe do some scrum recruitment. And I kind of sat there and thought, okay, yeah. So pen and paper, post-it notes, yeah, I can do this. And uh, one thing led to another and, you know, it became really successful. Um, it was really exciting. It, like I didn't know anything about, technically I wasn't an in-house recruiter. Yeah. So we kind of ripped everything and just did Kanban recruitment, literally, you know, at, at scale. Um, and then that led to me deciding that actually I want to run this independently i want I, I can do this independently and that's what i did for just about two and a half years um for for myself with lots of different clients um because it was project management agile waterfall in recruitment um because i understood the projects because i could speak the same sort of language technicality wise it was a little easier for me to sell and also i had because I worked for a web consultancy initially, I had a lot of existing clients that I'd worked with. Hey guys, I wanted to take a quick break to mention my sponsor, MetaView. MetaView is the AI assistant for interviewing. It completely removes the need for recruiters to take notes during interviews because their AI is designed to take world-class interview notes for you. The result? You're safe from the drudgery of note-taking and can instead spend time on what actually matters, being present, curious, and engaging with candidates, then making high-quality decisions based on insight, not memory. also means your organization has 10 times better data about every candidate you speak to because you're no longer relying on people to remember everything that was discussed and submit accurate notes. Unlike humans, MetaView never gets tired. It doesn't forget anything and it structures the notes perfectly. Recruiters at companies like Brex, Robinhood, and Cura describe MetaView as a game changer for their efficiency and ability to have high-quality interactions with candidates. MetaView lets them focus on the conversation rather than on taking notes. See the magic for yourself for free on your first five interviews. Head over to www.metaview.ai backslash no joke to get started. So I knew a lot of people, so it was really easy to get business because I wasn't pitching. They were coming to me saying, hey, yes, can you help us with the recruitment? Um, and we ended up getting quite a few employees and then one, you know, after a while, I didn't want to do it anymore. So I wanted to get into the property game. So I tried to leave recruitment a second time. You'll never uh, leave. 
Yeah, it <laughs> pulled me back in. And after the second time I tried to leave, I think I was like, I, I worked for a company called Wipro Next. And yep. Wipro was my neighbor. So my house, Wipro Next Door. So Wipro is a large uh, IT consultancy, about 250,000 employees. But their building was next door to my building. Uh, you know, and when you're outside, and at the time I had a bad habit of smoking, so when you're mingling in the smoking area, that's that's and, maybe that should be like the bead, like a BD training course. Yeah, yeah. Business, business the, business development on a smoke break. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and I used to kind of sit in their car park doing that, uh, but it, you know, I just ended up mingling with their crowd, and then you know, I came in on a short term contract, and that led to a more permanent role. Um, and then I was there for like six years. It was a great company. And again, third time then, I decided, okay, that's it, me done with recruitment now. I, I wasn't supposed to do this. Uh, I'm going to quit. And I quit. And uh, this was just before COVID more recently. Um, a friend approached me uh, who owns a rec to rec and he said, what, what about Germany? And then next thing you know, I'm working in Zalando on another contract that turns perm due to COVID. And then HelloFresh reached out, and I couldn't refuse. At that point, I'd given up. I was like, okay, recruitment, maybe maybe I can stay in this game for a little longer. No, I love that. And uh, Stephen, who's out there, Stephen's a, a good friend of mine. He uh, he said scrum recruiting and, and laugh. But I'm, I'm super curious because this is one of the things, um, yeah. you know, I think it's just been coming up more and more, right? Like recruiters just as a whole, like understanding the business, understanding how to speak the language of, of the business. So when it comes to some of these projects that you were working on, yeah. um, what was some of the things, what, what kind of some, what does that even mean? I'm sure for a lot so, of recruiters, what does that mean? Yeah, having been in recruitment for a long time now, I realized that, you know, typically we get a requirement or we know that our requirements are set or there's like a headcount like planned for X amount and, you know, we plan for that. When you're in a consultancy or any form of consultancy, whether it's your BCGs, McKinsey's, Wipro's, or a smaller boutique firm, you typically have like a bench, right? And you kind of resource from your bench and then that they, they service independent projects for different customers. And so when you're doing like any form of, I wouldn't even call it agile recruitment because when I look back at it retrospectively, I'm like, it wasn't really properly, it was a bit more cowboyish. I kind of just kind of squeezed in as many people into a room and interviewed as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, with no policies, procedures, or mm. you know, systems in place. But the, the point was the starting point was how do we hire someone in 24 hours? How do we get a role, hire someone in 24 hours? So if you were to, to try to take that problem statement to a company now, be like, it's impossible. But you know, when you don't have any, and at the time I didn't have any uh, impression of recruitment. I just knew that you know anything is possible. Young, ambitious, and you know they gave me a task, and I was like, all right, cool, let's do this. So we always work backwards of a 24-hour target. So okay, how can we do that? And, and you know, it wasn't perfect. There was some days that would take a lot longer. So our average recruitment cycle, the time to uh, fill was like seven days, which today is unheard of. My average time to fill is like 50, 60, 70 days right now, you know? So seven uh, days, that is, uh, yeah, usually it's what, th between 30 and 50 days, I feel like it's kind of what yeah. I hear on the show. Seven days, <laughs> that, that is, uh, that's me. And, and so I guess what, when you were, you know, when you were looking at 
how do you even do this? Like, I'm just trying to think in my mind, like how I would go about filling a role in 24 hours or as quickly as possible. I mean, what, what are some of the, the out of the box tactics? That it's you like use? the very old school recruitment in the sense that there's no, there's no, like you're very black about black and white about what you required. Right. So I need a project manager with X experience in this. I don't really care about background. Don't care about diversity. I don't care about anything. It was bad, right? That's what I'm saying. It wasn't perfect. It was more about the requirement itself. And that's led to no bureaucracy. Mm. Salary was salary. That was it. There was no negotiation, nothing. This is what we're offering. Are you, are you ready to interview? Okay, cool. Can you spend three hours doing the interviews right now? Yes. Okay. One, two, three, done. And, and there was no like, because it's a consultancy, it was no like, here's our benefits. This is what we're offering you. It yeah. was, this is the project that you're going to be working on for the next 12 months. So you're not going to even work for us. You're going to work through us at Lloyd's Banking Group or at, um, you know, the Independent or the Guardian or whatever the, the company was at the time that we uh, was our customer. So, you know, and most of the people that we tried to attract were serial kind of, they were a lot more mature. They'd been in the industry a little longer. Now, you know, that, that was a long time ago. So we're talking 12, 14 years ago. So things have changed considerably. Yeah, it makes sense. Well, and Carolina said seven, seven days is absolutely 100%. Shows that the company knows what they're looking for. But like you said, this is a different type of recruiting, right? So yeah. what, I, what I'm, I'm curious about is, you know, since, you, since you've been at HelloFresh, I know you've got a lot of notoriety just in terms of, of – like ways that you've worked with the team to, to bring people um, into the company. So like, what, what are you seeing nowadays? Because I'm, what I'm, what I'm seeing is like that you've got to really have that balance of like the grassroots recruiting and you've got to be able to, I think more than ever connect with lots of people. You got to be able to personalize things. Um, yeah. And then you've got to use digital tools, right? You've got to, you got to use basically every single resource that we have yeah. at our disposal nowadays. So to, walk me through, some of the strategies you've used at HelloFresh. Sure, sure. So look, let me give you some context. When I joined HelloFresh, it was about 10,000 employees or 11,000 employees. And nine months later, we were 25,000 employees. Oh, my gosh. So, you know, it doesn't grow that quickly by chance. You know, there's a desire to grow, of course, and there's customer base, there's a revenue that we're trying to hit. But there's also like a process in the, in the middle. There is a method to the madness. And so for the TA teams, um, because I've got so many different views on this. I'll give you a TA perspective, then I'll give you like a bigger, broader perspective for a TA leader. Because I think it's really important for TA leaders to know what's coming. And, you know, I've already kind of changed the way I'm approaching my recruitment over the next 24 months based on this. So the first is, how do we do it? Um, We looked at recruitment very simply as you have specialists that are eye-shaped, so they're specialists. And then you have like T-shaped individuals who typically are like managers who have a broad knowledge of something and then they're specialists. And then you have pie-shaped, which are individuals that maybe have done previous roles in the past. So a coordinator is turned into a sourcer who has like both specialisms, understands it, you know, the nuances. And so we took that concept and we were like, okay, how can we turn some of our roles more pie-shaped so we can utilize our resources and focus on automation? So what we said was, Sourcing, sources shouldn't be sources. They should be doing sourcing and telemarketing and employee branding. Mm. That way we clubbed the role together. This is about attracting, whether it's one-to-one or one-to-many attracting, they're doing that. 
with coordinators, we realized that coordinators did a lot of manual tasks. If I was to suddenly say, okay, now you have to do talent intelligence, they're forced to learn about talent intelligence, what that means, how it works from the ground up. But they're also forced to kind of look back at what their work they're doing and saying, okay, well, maybe we need to kind of reduce this work. And how do we reduce it? Because we can't physically reduce it because we've got the requirements. Maybe we need to look at automating it. So we almost forced people into kind of adapting and changing their roles and perspectives. And that was like step one, what we call TA 4.0. The next step was, okay, you know, taking our processes from A to B, like reviewing the whole thing. And I think for us, we were evaluating the quality of hire, which was broken down into lots of different things, but like times to start, probation period, pass the rates, internal promotions, uh, you know, future promotions, et cetera. And I think what the business cares about is time to start. They don't care about, they care about time to hire, like the time the person enters the process to the time the person gets a contract. Sure, 30 days, whatever, right? Time to fill, the time the open role to the time they get the contract, fine. But really, you don't, you just want to know when I open my role, how quickly is the person going to come join the company and sit inside on that seat and do the job? So that was a big portion of our focus to say, okay, what is our time to start? And when we looked at that data, we realized that, oh shit, you know, people are taking three months, four months, five months to join the company. So, so and just, just to clarify this, we're told, so time to fill is when, when you get an accepted offer and then time to start is when they actually start work. Yeah. Got it. But we measured it like, let's refer just for simplicity, the whole process, the yeah. overall entirety from the time the role is open to the time the bum is on the seat. That is probably the most important for a hiring yeah. manager, business leader, right? Because you're just like, you you hired in 30 days, but the person has a six months notice period. So <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly, yep. So when you look at it from that perspective, we really kind of narrow down on our location-based hiring. We really narrow down on our competitor-based hiring. And then you kind of have to look at different things. And that led us to kind of broadening, automating, um, utilizing a lot of tools. And we're we're very much, we're not, um, a we're not a team that focuses on creating new processes. We're fast followers, not early adopters. So early adopters, they'll spend all the time wasting, creating something brand new, trialing, testing it. I'm like, great, that's cool. You do that. I'll wait till it works and I'll copy and do it better. And that way I save myself all the time of trying to draft all these brand new processes. But if you're at the forefront of fast following, which is just behind you know, early adoption, um, it's that sweet spot where you can really make a lot of changes very quickly. And, and just to give you an example of that, if you were to type in Google right now, HelloFresh Tech TA Radar, that will show you a radar of all our technologies that we use in TA, it's public. And it shows you how we approach technology. So we either adopt, trial, assess, or on hold. You know, and and it's interesting because like MetaView, you mentioned MetaView earlier today, right? I was actually Sile from MetaView. I pinged him because I asked right him down about, there. They're right down yeah. there. So I asked him about he, like he created a he gave some guidance on generative AI policies. You know, how many companies are creating policies? So he, you know, on his website, he's now got that, which is great. Um, you know, and so when you're adopting new tools like this, it's MetaView is great. How long before another company comes along and offers a similar service, but maybe 
different type of integration product or whatever, right? So that that early adoption is a bit of a worry for me. And so from there, uh, just to kind of finish up my point because I kind of lost myself there. Um, once we've done TA 4.0, we, we kind of go back to looking at, you know, internal mobility and other things. And the way I've divided our work is it's like your delivery work, your process excellence work, which is your, your projects, how to improve the processes, and then some innovation work. So innovation work is, for now, is like turning candidates into customers. So how do we turn mm. our, 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 our cost center into a profit center? So now, because we reach out to a million C, uh, candidates every year, how many of those could come through and become a customer so I can attribute it to my cost center to say to the business, hey, I know you think I cost a lot of money, but I also generate a lot of money as well. So that's like the innovation piece. And that really works well if you're a TA leader or you're part of a team and you need that inspiration to, oh, I can't be bothered to keep doing the same hamster wheel stuff. Something new like that gets the team excited. I know it's a bit of novelty, but it does actually add some value. Um, and then now in the future, we're looking at um, how do we, um, you know, what would the world look like if there was no CVs? So to give you an example, I think there was a couple of tools recently just released this week where someone has used ChatGPT to apply to 5,000 roles with one click. So that starts becoming more and more common instead of having 20,000, 30,000 applications, imagine if you had 10 million applications in one month, what would that force you to do? It would force you to look at your application process and see how you can make it difficult. So we're already planning like a lot of kind of downturn strategies around AI. What is, how do we make it more uh, human shaped, the application process? And fortunately for me, where I think TA is moving into is from talent talent acquisition to talent. And like for me personally, I've been really advocating, um, trying to push it that direction. And that led me to get promoted more recently where I now manage rewards. So compensation, equity, and benefits. So, you know, what better team to manage that when it's recruitment. So now I know, you know, I can't complain about salaries because I also manage the salaries. (laughs) I can't complain about the benefits because I also manage the benefits. And then also the mobility side of things. So I now manage internal mobility, tax, and you know travel. So the relocation part of it is part of my team. This gives me the ability to really make the changes needed. And immediately, as soon as the teams fell under one roof, suddenly the grief of kind of intercollaboration between these teams just disappeared overnight. And it was all about communication. Um, and we're finding that this has made a dramatic impact on everything we do. Uh, long story no it's it, is that, there's, a, there's a lot there and I'm, I'm curious like when you what what's your approach when you're testing out new technology because one of the things i'm seeing is there is so much i mean it's always been tons of ats's right and this is like yeah. that you could choose from but now it's like there's a sourcing tool every everywhere you look yeah uh, you know trend, people are getting creative with AI, with ai so like do you are you do you have like a strategy of how you test things out and like how long do you give a tool like what would be some of your advice to, to people who are yeah you know, I, so, so what i don't really have like a i'll give you how i make decisions as opposed to how i test tools because uh, a couple of years ago i got to, to a point where i was people were pinging me every single day hey can we do this hey can we use this hey can we use this tool 
and then I get emails online and then it's just getting ridiculous to the point where I have to stream through the whole email thread just to understand what they're referring to. <laughs> Even with tools, it's like the same thing. So, um, you know, people want to use these tools. I ask three very simple questions. One is, is it human shaped? Does it make sense? Is it ergonomic? Is it is it actually going to be useful for the person? If we step out of HelloFresh or our role, we looked at this, does it make sense? Like, for example, MetaView basically captures your notes. Yeah, okay, cool, that makes sense. Like, that saves me time, right? The yeah. second is, um, like, uh, automation. Is it going to save me time? Uh, whatever I'm doing now, if, if I add this tool, am I going to have to add an extra hour's worth of work? Or is it taking two, three hours worth of work away from me? That's, like, fundamental. Um, so that's really important for me because I feel like time is the biggest commodity. Um, and then so, with, so with like a team, would you track like, how, I mean, how do you, cause I was thinking about someone asked me the other day with like a sourcing tool, like what, what types yeah. of sourcing tool I recommend. And first thing that went through my mind was like, well, what are you doing all day? Like you have it mapped out and they didn't actually have it mapped out. Like they didn't know how long they were spending doing these different tasks. And I'm like, well, that yeah, well, probably the first thing you got to figure out. We did, we did do that mapping. Um, we probably pull it up. So we did a mapping of the entire process and how long it takes. And we actually mapped the different uh, processes. But just to finish my point on the decision-making, the third one is continuous learning. So essentially, um, can I change my mind after three months? Can I scrap the tool? But to, to your point now, it's like just the sourcing, how do you evaluate things? Um, time, right? So if you look at the process and you divide it into three, let's say sourcing, Application process, how would you process an application? Application. How would you process a prospected candidate? And how would you process a referred candidate? If you just focus on sourcing, you know, you might spend a little longer on sourcing, maybe two, three hours, but then you're going to spend a significantly less amount of time on screening because the candidates you're getting are more relevant. Now, some would argue that applications, you'd spend the same amount of time. That's not necessarily true because of the cognitive biases that we have. We typically look at our hundred candidates and think, okay, this is the best of the best within my hundred to 10. And these 10, if you had to compare them to the 10 that you would choose on LinkedIn, the 10 on LinkedIn will definitely be better, right? Because you've got a bigger, broader spectrum of candidates that you can pull from. So there is some time difference in terms of application versus and i think it turned out to be like on average for a role if you were spending um all collectively just focusing on applications i think it was like 120 hours this is back in 2021 so numbers have changed and with sourcing it was 76 hours uh as an individual recruiter like from end to begin end how you would spend on the actual recruitment process and i think referrals was similar to like sourcing or something so, you know, we have done that. We don't do it very often. I think instead what we've done is we now do a manual task audit. So we, we're continuously going through all our manual tasks and saying, when are we getting rid of this manual task? You know, why are we still creating contracts? Uh, why are we still scheduling interviews? Why are we still taking all these notes manually? Why are we using MetaView? Why are we doing... That happens a lot right now. Man, that's... Uh... Yeah, and I think you know how often how often are, are teams actually doing this and, and look at the process. So I guess in in your mind right now too, I'm curious. I mean, you mentioned the future and like 
how you're preparing for the future. I'm all, uh, you also mentioned this, you know, people applying the 10 million or 5,000 roles in, in one click. So in my mind, I can't see, and this is just my, my own opinion. I, I, at some point see a lot of things getting really noisy and like, they're just being so much information, right? Even just from, even, even from a cannabis perspective, like outreach is so easy. Everybody has, you know, everybody has these sourcing tools. Everyone's got these sequence tools where you can just email people yeah. out of like, at, in my mind, at some point, it's just going to culminate in like going back to like just that old school recruiting you were talking about where you're just like, Hey, I'm making connections with people. I'm going to do whatever it takes. And I'm, I'm just going to make, make these connections. So I'm curious yeah. just like what your thoughts are and like how these tools are, you know, are going to create, problems and you know are they going to make are they going to make things more efficient and like how do you how do you as a talent leader even like prepare for that so so maybe it's a controversial view i don't think everybody will agree with me and to be quite honest i don't really mind because i haven't been proven wrong but i want my recruitment process to be hard i want it to be hard to apply for a role i don't want it to be easy I don't want you to think it's easy to apply to a fresh and you're just going to get a job when you're just going to get a couple of interviews and you're just going to pass the interviews. I want it to be tough and I want you to realize that the work is going to be challenging because if you can just apply for a role through an AI, then that that's a problem for me. So what I think is going to actually happen is I think a lot of companies are going to go down that route where they can say, okay, look, we're just getting inundated with stuff. Uh, yeah. applications and we need to look at our process and maybe ask more qualifying questions more do so what's going to happen is companies that will really broad and just said look anybody can apply for a role yeah great that's going to last not very long and then it's going to go back to what i was talking about earlier which is i need this 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 can you do it yes okay and it's an exchange instead of me trying to provide you with a lifestyle come work for me and i'm the most amazing company it's a I've got this really cool project. It's very clear. We need to deliver this over the next 12 months. After the 12 months, I don't know what you're going to do, but you probably do this, this, this. And these are the other options. These are what people's career paths look like in HelloFresh, right? And that's just super clear. So if I said to you, hey, you're going to join as a recruiter, you've got a 12-month project. After that, probably could go work in Australia, work in New York, work in Singapore. Or you can stay here, maybe move into another HR role. Or you could go down our fast stream route where we'll pay for you to go do some education on a course at the time. And then so I think getting crystal clear about those things, that's going to become more and more apparent, especially for like startups and stuff like that, where it's, you know, they're just going to, yeah, it's just going to be a bit of mayhem. It's, it's okay. I'm going to give a really, it's probably the worst example ever, but it's someone lo local to me who he's, he's got an Amazon, delivery company right so he's yeah. owns the tr owns the the you know the trucks and it is a nightmare to recruit people to drive those trucks like it's there's some of the hardest roles to fill and so he's you know i always joke with him i'm like you're just really a, you know a glorified staffing company amazon doesn't want to staff him congratulations here you go you can you can do the staffing but that is actually that everything you just said is his philosophy like on the job descriptions he makes it as unattractive and as transparent as possible because he found that when he made it like attractive, he'd get so many people applying. And even if he would get them to interview an offer stage, it was like those just drop offs along the way. And even yeah. if he hired someone, 
if he wasn't transparent with, hey, you might have to work longer hours, you might have to work on these weird days, and you have to be okay with that. Um, and and I know that again, like you said, it's not a popular. This isn't a popular idea for people, but I, I think it, that's okay that it's not popular because the goal of of recruitment for so long has been like selling people into roles, but yeah. clearly that doesn't work, right? It's like you've got to you've got to be transparent. And you've got to find the right person that's a fit. Otherwise, if you sell them into something, then they're going yeah. to leave in three to six months anyway. You know. I think that, I think there's two parts to this. One is that, you know, you're right. Um, it will become slightly transactional. What that means is that instead of hiring for potential, companies start moving to hiring for fit, which isn't mm. necessarily a good thing either. Like I get it. You know, you like I'm just speaking very honestly. If I got a million applications. Um, my recruiters would be just spending all day looking at applications. Got 200 recruiters, a million applications a month. You're not doing no work. You're basically just reviewing. And what happens is you don't end up reviewing CVs, and then you get a bad rep for not reviewing CVs, not replying. So it's like lose-lose, right? So I think that that will definitely happen where people companies are going to focus on fit as opposed to potential. Or they'll go down the route of focusing on uh, potential, but then it'll be like a scaled career path. So say like you join as a junior, then you go to mid and then you go to senior. But the, how, the, how, how would you how would you actually? And I'm curious to your your take on this because obviously you're like into internal mobility as well. But like how yeah. how do you kind of assess potential and and you know I've heard about it a lot and it's like I mean how how do you how do you actually assess that or it's the same thing with like this attitude yeah. or like for, yeah. like how how do you assess that? The, the, the reality is you don't assess potential. What, what does assessing potential actually mean? It means you find someone who's cheaper, who's got less experience that you think might be able to do the job, give them the opportunity, and then enable them to do the, the role, right? Mm. Now, in a long-term perspective, hiring for potential basically means you hire a junior level, and then you reassess six months to 12 months in the role, and then you promote them to mid-level and then reassess again six to 12 months in the role and you hire to the senior. That's essentially the Deloitte, the you know, EY, the PwC model, consultancy model, where essentially they hire graduates and then every 12 months they're getting promoted and they do technical assessments. Like if you join as an accountant in Deloitte, you have um, exams. Every 12 months you have to pass these exams or however long it is before and then you can get progressed to the next level or they continue to keep you on. And and that model, I think, will come back. You know, it kind of dissipated for a little while, but I think it will come back. And that's because of all the noise. Even now, like, how often, like, how many articles I read and I have to wonder, is this really someone writing this or is this chat GBT? You know, that's, that's basically all of LinkedIn. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and I've done it myself. Like I even posted about how you can do it, right? I think I made a post more recently where I said, look, there's different frameworks you can use to encourage ChatGBT to take what you want it to say and position it in a way that is readable. I, I'm just, I'm very skeptical, skeptical. So what I would like to do is I'd like to focus on quality of hire and, you know, time to, uh, time to start. Those are the two key metrics that I think are really going to push and also internal mobility. You know, what does internal mobility actually mean, you know, for people? Like how, this idea of, let, let's say you're in a larger company, a thousand plus people. How often do you hear about no poach rule? 
why can't we poach people from another team? What would be, what would happen? What would happen if I called you, Joe, and you were, let's say, you and Hella Fresh and you worked in the UK, and I called you and said, hey, would you like to work in our marketing team in Germany? And you're like, am I in trouble? Why are you calling me? I'm like, no, you've been in the role for 12 months and, you know, we thought we'd reach out to you because you're fair game and and you've expressed interest in moving at some point. So here's a role. And you, you'd be more interested in receiving it's so true. an internal offer than an external offer. It's, it's it, I mean, look, when you look at longevity that people have in companies anyway, it's, uh, you know, what, two to three years is average that people are going to, you know, stay, maybe stay in a role and then they're looking to get promoted or they're looking to do something else. And, I mean, I would always laugh when people would steer away from hiring people that they thought were going to retire in like five years. I'm like, if you get five years out of this person, you are getting way more than you're going to get from somebody who's earlier yeah. on in their career because they're just going to be wanting to progress and progress. And I think it's it's that understanding too of, you know, you don't, you don't want to just hire. I, I, I completely agree with you. I think you, you can't just hire it for one role. I think you got to think of what, what are the other things they're interested in? How else could we keep them engaged? Because again, you know, retention's a, a real pain. Engagement is a pain. And then when you look at why, it's because I just think culturally people want to learn new things. Like we just live in a culture where people want to, they want to try, they want to learn, they want to do these things. And I think when you're onboarding people, it's much more important to think about like, are you in line with like what we're actually doing as a company? Do you care about the business that we're in? Because if, if you have that, then, you ha- then you're able to do those things that you're describing and keep people engaged and keep them interested because uh, we, just, we just got shorter attention, attention spans now. Like I just, and I don't think it's getting, they're getting longer either. I think it's just getting shorter and shorter. Um, so, so I'll tell you something scary that I, I observed in a, not in HelloFresh, but in another company. So there was a team that had you know, like 50 people. And the average tenure was, I think it was 14 or 15 months. So I was like, and, and the hiring manager was like, look, it's better. It used to be 12 months. And I was like, <laughs> wow. Uh, okay. <laughs> 15 months is pretty bad. And he was like, well, we still get, you know, 15 months. I was like, no, you don't. You don't get 15 months at all. You get first, your first three months is onboarding. Yeah. Then you've got maybe six months of doing the role. Then you've got three months of considering to leave the company and deciding that things are not working out and maybe looking for another job. And then you've got three months notice period after that. So actually your 15 months is actually six months of actual work. Uh, And the rest of it is kind of like your, your grace period of allowing the person onboarding, you know, things are going a bit rough at the end of the year. This person hasn't even done two years, right? And and if you look at the average tenure of people in companies right now, I think it's, I can't remember the latest statistic, but I think at, under the age of 35, the average tenure is like two years or something, 2.1 years, yeah. 2.2 years or something like that. Now apply that same concept to the two one, 2.1 years, right? So really people only work for, you know, a, a short period of time before they've already decided, okay, I want to leave. Um, and it's that moment you need to capture them. So at the nine, nine month or the 10 month or the 11 month, you need to capture their attention and say, hey, actually, you can, you're not happy in this role. You weren't happy. Fine. There's another role here. You know, we don't want you to leave. Why don't you move internally? Or what's what's causing you the problem? Let's 
Let's see if it's the team. Let's see if it's the location. Let's see if it's the flexibility. And I think that's the key in the future. That that goes down to quality of eye. Well, when, I wonder you know, when you think about it. The more I'm thinking of like maybe there needs to be a team in you know. Well, I guess there is a team in TA, right? It's a mobility team. But like even like a team that's you just you're just sourcing your internal workers and looking at okay, you have these skills based on the projects you've completed. This could be interesting to you, but it's uh, it, it, what I what I've noticed is it's so many of these decisions are always are, are just based in fear, especially when it comes to middle management. And there's yeah. just there's just that tendency that when someone is good on your team, the worst thing that can happen is you you lose that person. So you, you don't want to encourage them to leave, but the short sightedness is they're going to leave anyway because it's their quality. They're going to look they're going to look for either a promotion or they're going to look for more or maybe a, maybe a new challenge. Yeah. Um, but I, and, and I, there are a couple of companies I know that really think about this when they're, they're hiring. Like I was talking to a recruiting leader a couple of months ago, and they said that part of their assessment when they are assessing people is they really let them know like the culture of the company is to hire people who have skill sets that can fit into multiple places. So if you're hiring for the recruitment team, you're also keeping an eye on like, okay, could they do marketing? Could they do sales, customer success? And and. Letting them know in the interview, like, hey, this this is actually how you're going to progress in the company. Like, you will more than likely get switched. And that company hasn't done layoffs because they've just been able to move people where the business needs it. Um, yeah. And obviously, people have, have to be open to that. But I, I know, like, I would guess that most candidates would prefer to have a different opportunity within the company than just get laid off, for example. 100%. But the problem with that is that we are rational as human beings. So, you know, that sounds like a very rational thinking. Probably someone's, you know, you know, I, I think I was reading there was about 150 cognitive biases that we have as human beings or more, right? So and irrational thoughts come to us first before rational. It's like when, you know, someone says something to you and you're like, you say something irrational and then later on you think about, oh, maybe I should have said this. Um, same sort of concept when someone says, hey, I want to leave or you're approaching my candidate. It's like, no, you can't do it. And then rationally you start thinking about it and think, well, actually, if I enable this, maybe later it can work for me in my, you know, work in my favor. And I think with organizations, there's an emotional element. There's a, an element of ego. So if you remove that, let's say by force, by saying there is a poach role, uh, rule, and everybody after 12 months is fair game. Don't care what project they're working on. It's purely tenure-based and, uh, let's say, competency-based. So, for example, if someone's got a good appraisal rating and they're not, like, in their performance improvement plans, but they're actually, like, doing well, they're fair game. Then what happens? What does actually happen? Then people start moving around. People start phone calling others, start talking to each other. And yeah, you might upset people for a little while, but eventually, you know, everybody's done it to the point where it becomes normal. Um, and that's where you, you find companies now, like Microsoft do really well in this. Um, Wipro did really well in this as well. Their internal mobility is something like 40 to 50%. And, you know, next year, some of our targets then had a fresh up really high. You know, they're like nearly 50% mark for internal mobility because we truly believe in trying to encourage internal mobility, allow people to learn new skills, especially given what's been happening in the market. 
you know, they, people need that kind of sense of security. It's almost like a psychological safety blanket, just to say, or a psychological safety net to say, like, there's other options. You know, yeah, I love you know, that. Just, so. Yeah, and I mean, with the learning new skills as well, I mean, that's, it's going to be a whole, you know, there's going to be a whole adage of jobs over the next five to 10 years around AI and, and with what's created. So you're going to need that, those types, that, those types of people as, as well. And, and by the way, that company I mentioned too, they were a startup. And so I think there's certain things which are they're easy to do when you're a startup compared to when you've, you know, you've scaled and you're, you're kind of more of an established company. Yeah. Um, but again, it's, it's, you know, I, de I definitely think that if you don't have that type of mentality, it's it's going to be it's it's hard to stop the the attrition problems. It's hard to it's hard to keep people engaged if you're not open to things like that. So, yeah, um, no, I love it. Well, well, look, I know. Look, this episode, um, you know, we're kind of coming to the end here. Usually, I do about forty five minutes, but uh, where's the where's the best place for people to reach you? Like, where where can people connect with you? Obviously, LinkedIn is, is uh, one place. Yeah. Are you active anywhere else? What what else are you? Yeah, about? so um, if you want to connect with me, I'd love to connect. Uh, LinkedIn is probably one of the easiest ways to find me. Um, I also have my own website, which kind of yasarama.com. There's a bunch of other stuff like it's got all my Twitter, YouTube channel, and all the rest of it on there. Uh, and also the talent community is like a Slack channel I've kind of co-founded where I'm on there quite a bit. So anybody can join as long as you're in recruitment. Um, you can did join. you send me an invite to that? I feel like you did. I did, I did, I did. You didn't join, so we need to get you on there. But it's growing rapidly. It's about 1,700 recruiters on there right now. But it's more for like a hub. So you know how LinkedIn's got so much noise on it, where these are people who actually just want to talk about recruitment. Yeah. And it's not about like, hey, by the way, you know, my one-year anniversary or I'm – you know, I do it as well, you know, posting stuff. Yeah. Fresh. This is more for like a old school forum. Cool. Joining, but it's on Slack and it's great. People are really helpful. I spend a lot of time on that. So that's where, that's where I found out about MetaViews generative AI policy, you know, so I love it's, that. It's, it's working really well for me. So that, you'll find me most, most days on that. Very cool. Yeah. And is that just free? For, I mean, do you have like an that's application It's called thetalentcommunity.net. Pretty simple okay. stuff. Um, but yeah. Cool. I will, uh, I'll drop that link in, in the chat as well. Um, and then guys, if you are going to connect with Yasser as well, just let him know that you heard him on the show and then be patient because he just admitted not on LinkedIn as much anymore. He's got his no. own community. So <laughs> if you want to chat with him, you got to join the community. That's what I said. You, you know what? LinkedIn is really bad for messaging. Like the amount of messages I get on LinkedIn are mostly AI, not AI, but they're like the, the gem type where. Yeah, it's you know, just a crap. After three days, hey, yes, so just checking in with you. Hey, yes, so just checking in with you. I'm like, realistically, no normal human being would do this much checking in. But. <laughs> Uh, so. I, I do a, uh, it, it's funny because I was talking to someone else, like obviously like I run my own business and I'm doing this, I'm doing training now. So I reach out to a lot of like corporate TA leaders and yeah. I have a three step message. And the second message is just like, Hey, I know this inbox is a nightmare. And then, you know, it's like, but I've, I've started going through now. I'm following up again, people after a couple of months that they haven't responded. 
I had one guy today, this is the fourth message that I sent. And he's like, oh, thanks for sending me another message. Like this got buried yeah. super quick. So I just want to encourage you guys. Like if you actually are wanting to connect with people, you do have to follow up quite a, a decent amount on LinkedIn because you just, everybody's getting these messages. And yeah. same with emails. This is kind of, I mean, I don't want to go into the whole chat again, but it's kind of like the problem of the day. Like that's why I'm so big on branding and creating content so people can know you. They could be familiar with you because- they know you then you're not just another message but it's yeah. just it is it is crazy right now and we didn't even talk about any of that but uh um, no, but to your credit i knew you before on twitter okay, i followed you on twitter first and then you messaged me i was like i recognize this guy uh yeah. and then it was because of twitter so you know poor hex you know um but Absolutely. yeah i definitely think we need to utilize more channels linkedin is kind of dying there yeah and look and this and there's so many channels nowadays as well. And I think, uh, you know, one of the big things I talk about is just think about the people you're trying to reach and what they care about and where they are. And, uh, you know, instead of assuming, like, I think a lot of people assume, I hear this all the time about TikTok, like they assume it's a certain group of people that are on there. And it's, yeah. it's very, I've gotten some messages from people who I assumed heard about me from LinkedIn, but they heard about me from, Act. so they heard about me from tiktok or even yeah. snap snapchat so yeah. um anyway well look if you uh if you want to connect with your asset just do it and then we'll put the link to the private community and uh thanks so much for your time i love this conversation i love just a real talk you know which is which is what this show is all about so hopefully you had a good time and i know it just flew by so um yeah. thank you for everybody in the chat too i see donna there steven carolina uh adam mckenzie stan any of you guys want to connect with me or you got questions, let me know. And uh, I'll be back next week on Wednesday with another guest. And I'm going to be starting to show on Mondays and Wednesdays too coming up. So we're going to get double the action. And that's because I want to get to 100 episodes super quick. Once again, thank you to MetaView for sponsoring the show. Wouldn't be able to make this happen without you guys. So really appreciative of that. And I'm going to end this stream right now.